Today's sponsor is Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove for a free audiobook download. Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And that's maybe the fastest intro I've ever done. Like the Micro Machine Man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, this week we're talking about episode 13, season 5, called Tohajili. I think that's how you say Tohajili. it. Tohajili. It's got two eyes. Yeah. This has been Affleck and, and Jennifer and a, Lopez's next movie. And a lowercase j. Tohajili. There's a, if, you, if you are a fan of dotting I's and J's, then you will love Tohajali. I like when we tell separate jokes in parallel here. Yeah, we're steamrolling <laughs> each other, basically. Don't worry. The audience can rewind. They can get both that's of true, them. That's true. That's true. Perfect. Uh, do we have anything to talk about up front today, or should we get right uh, into A couple recap? things. Just some general Kickstarter news. I sent an update this week for the backers, but um, wanted to let everyone know that uh, we're going to be doing a Q&A podcast. Uh, probably recording it this weekend. It's going to be a video cast, even. Uh, and we've got a round of backer questions. And I don't know what our time constraints will be, but we're going to open it up to the public. Obviously, backer questions get answered first. Uh, if you got something non Breaking Good related, or Breaking Bad related, really anything that you want to put to Jim and I, now would be the time to do it. Send that to Breaking Good at BaldMove.com. And if you're a backer, uh, log on to Kickstarter. Check your email for the uh, backer-only email to get the. It's like the VIP line. It's a fast pass line at Walt Disney World. You get skip right to the front of the line. Yeah. Uh, one other piece of bald move news: uh, we got invited to the Walker Stalker Con. Uh, you can find that information. This is a Walking Dead slash zombie convention in Atlanta, Georgia, November one through third, uh, at the height of the Walking Dead frenzy. Uh, you can find out more information at walkerstalkercon.com. We're going to be doing a panel or two. We're going to be doing uh, a meet and greet with some of the other uh, podcasters out at The Walking Dead. Thanks goes to Jason over at The Walking Dead cast for uh, hooking us up. And it's going to be exciting and fun and cool. And hopefully we can see a bunch of you there. Yeah, definitely. Now... The breaking good stuff proper. The breaking bad stuff. Okay, so <clears throat> in our instant cast, I know both of us uh, kind of gave this nines, uh, mental nines. We didn't want to actually put a number on it. After seeing it again and thinking about it for a whole day, what do you think of it now? So here's the thing. This is the first time I can ever remember this happen, but I like the episode less the more I watch it. Oh. Um. You know, I'm, and I don't. So I'm going to be fair. I'm going to just warn everybody. I'm going to be fairly critical of tonight's episode or Sunday's episode. Um, but I don't want you to think that I hate it because that's what everybody <laughs> like. Yo, why did I pick? I'm just giving me an honest opinion that uh, this season has been so high and so well executed yeah. that even one episode or 30 minutes of shortcuts kind of tarnishes it for me some of the problems i thought myself through and it, I, I didn't turn out to be others but some of the problems uh still remain and uh again last 20 minutes one of the most suspenseful uh pieces of television i've ever seen still beautifully acted well crafted well shot uh, f- uh piece of of television art michelle mclaren 
uh, continues to show why she's so good at shooting action. Yep. But you know, and and I think I think our feedback bears that out. I I would say we had thirty three percent, a third of the audience expressing some form of misgivings or disappointment about the episode. So um, again, in, in any time historically, I've been disappointed in a Breaking Bad episode. They've come back strong the next week. Uh, so I would say I'm leaning towards a seven point five, trending down to a seven. Oh, okay. That's like I'm not quite drop. ready. I'm not quite ready to knock it to seven, but I I feel like it, it loses a half point every time I watch it. I don't know where the floor would be. What about you? Okay, uh, I was prepared to knock a full point off of the nine, come down to eight. Okay, so um, we're not that far apart. Yeah, yeah, because I actually, like you said, I, I worked a few things out in my head, and I the, I kind of got the timeline of the episode more uh, firmed up a little bit in my head and some of the things that didn't make sense to me before made much more sense now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the things that I didn't stop and think about, uh, when I saw it the first time I stopped and thought about, and they don't hold up quite as well as I would have hoped. Right on. Uh, so I'm with you there. They had to come down a little bit, but once again, the, <laughs> the best, the worst episode of breaking bad is still one of the better episodes of television, uh, that I've ever seen. So indeed, not not too uh not didn't drop too much there. Anyway, let's get into the recap. We start off with Todd, uh the Nazis and Lydia checking out the purity of the latest cook, of Todd's latest cook. And it's seventy six percent, but there's a bit of a problem. It's yellow. It's not blue. It's not just yellow, it's like sinus infection yellow. <laughs> Urine yellow, yeah. Cloudy. It's nasty. Like I don't. I'm not even, infection. I got some some cold stuff going on. This yeah. Week, so you so. could pour that out onto yeah. a cookie tray and smash with a hammer and sell it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a millionaire. Shortly. I'm not even sure if this is still meth at this point. It might not be. I don't know. I, Todd didn't seem too firm on that either. Well, I mean, like if you have a cake and you burn it, mm-hmm. it's not delicious cake anymore. It's a horrifying confection. So I don't know what happens to these toxic chemicals if you let they get a couple degrees too hot, uh-huh. which I'm thinking if that's what, uh, you know, Todd is copping to, it probably got 25, 30 degrees Celsius too hot. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. And then the uncles of anarchy give even less of a shit yeah. than Declan and his crew did. And you can just see... <laughs> Lydia, like Jesus Christ! Now what? It's it's kind of like the you know the old lady swallow the fly, like once once <laughs> once you swallow the cow to catch the cat or whatever fucking bullshit uh-huh. is going on there, you're dead. You're yeah. You, you there's no, there's no, none bigger. You can't fit no bigger in there. So it's like once you get the team Panzer Gray on the case, what are you gonna do? Cow, the mortal enemy of the cat, little known. You get the you, you find the most <laughs> violent, virulent Black Panther gang in the nation. I think so, yeah. And then once they're overrun you, you call in the Irish Republican Army, (laughs) then Uh Al-Qaeda, then uh Russian separatists. Where does it go? I mean... Eventually, you got to go off planet to find something bad enough. The aliens from Independence Day. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I would love to see Lydia flirt with one of those, by the way. Uh, Anyway... (laughs) I, I thought it was absolutely hilarious that they're trying to actually say, oh, no, it's kind of blue if you catch it in the right light. Well, that's Tom's the thing like, with, yeah. with neo-Nazis, man. Once you're 
once your worldview so fucked up that you start denying the Holocaust, <laughs> you know, saying the sky is orange and grass is yellow, or well, I guess grass sometimes can sometimes be yellow. Grass pur- is purple. I, I guess there are grasses that are purple. Grasses are an unnatural hue. Sure. sure. Uh, you, you, there's, and, there's, and how, what are you going to say to correct them? If she, she can't really roll tough on these guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, she, at this point, she just has to politely ask that they get the quality up and make it blue. Yeah. Uh, and hope that they follow her lead. Right. And if not, she can't do much about it. Although you'd think that... They do seem to be, and that's what I guess I don't understand about Declan either. They do seem to be interested in making money, mm-hmm. and you make more money if it's more pure. And I imagine the check people that that money is a lot more than you're making just selling to the mid-level dealers in Albuquerque. So, yeah, I mean there there is a financial incentive here to to up the cook quality. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I just don't know that they they're probably seeing a lot more money from this either way than they've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. So maybe they don't care all that much. I also like the parallel here is where Liddy is obsessed with the branding. Yes. And then Skyler later on is obsessed with the branding of the car wash. Yep. Have an A1 day. Nice, uh, nice little parallel there. Uh, so then Todd brings Lydia some tea. He tells her what the problem was with the cook, that he, he overcooked it. Then he offers to have his uncle smooth things over with the foreign buyers because she had mentioned them being upset about it uh lydia rejects that idea and she leaves as todd gets a call from walt the same call that he made last episode we find out that he is indeed calling to put a hit on jesse uh, a lot of people were saying oh no he wouldn't put a hit on jesse yeah he put a hit on jesse yeah totally i mean jesse had just told him that he was gonna go after him where he really lives right why wouldn't he at that point yeah and what did you think of todd's ringtone uh, it was funny. It was funny. I was less concerned about that and more concerned about his creepy Lydia <laughs> infatuation. Yeah. The putting, lipstick thing, man. And then putting his hand, getting all handsy with her. Yeah, getting in close there. And on, and it's kind of like feeds into the episode where they took out uh, Declan's group because he kind yeah. of indulged her in a way that is kind of surprising that he would. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, one of my problems with Todd is they've all, so, so Todd's always been a creepy dude, you know, like keeping the death souvenir and all that kind of stuff. Yep. But it seems like they're making him weirder and weirder. Like his hair, his haircut <laughs> is shittier and shittier. Uh, and I, I just, okay. I, it, 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 his demeanor look, I mean, I feel like every episode goes by 10 IQ points get taken off the board. And then, you know, we're not there yet, but his marksmanship. Oh, yeah. What happened to the dude that, like, whipped out a gun and shot a kid from 20 paces like it was the same as breathing? Now he's got this weird double-handed, like, it looked like Andy Richter, like, trying to shoot a gun. (laughs) You know, he's got that kind of, like, Andy Richter, I'm uncomfortable look on his face. Uh, God, blinking between shots. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what was up with that, but we'll get there. I hope I don't come across like Dan Feinberg because I, even not liking this episode as as I listened to the Firewall and Iceberg podcast on the way up to Indianapolis today, and he was driving me fucking crazy. Mm, Okay, so I hope I don't come too much or what. It's not just he nitpicks, but like 
I, I guess it seems to me that he's tried to proposition or position himself as the smart critical one on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And he's just not as good as Alan. And a lot of stuff that he, he misses <laughs> things that are, I guess, more problems. And the things he, he picks on are relatively minor. Gotcha. And, you know, then the fact that he, you know, when when things are too, you know, when things are not obvious, he says, well, I don't know if we can draw that conclusion. And then when things are obvious, he's like, oh, they're just holding their hands. I don't know. I hope hmm. I can strike a better balance between that because now I'm paranoid. <laughs> okay, well, I'm let, paranoid let me go that I, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm turning the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm topping the Feinberg here. All right, all right. Well, I'm going to go back to the beginning and I'm going to say something that I really liked about this episode is that first shot where the mucus slash meth is coming down into the tray. Uh, that was really cool because we've seen that before with with Walt. Yeah, Cook. I haven't used a neti pot about fifteen minutes ago. <laughs> Jesus, no. <laughs> No, when when Walt was cooking uh, with Jesse, we saw that same shot, you know, from underneath through the tray as the real blue comes down uh, on the tray. I like that. It reminds me of the Simpsons episode where Homer tried to build a barbecue grill. Okay. And you see this beautiful barbecue grill, like immaculate, and he's uh, and and then you just realize that it's actually a picture that he was holding up. <laughs> and when he drops it, his is like this misshapen. Nice. So yeah, it's the same thing. Like it's exact same equipment, but yeah. but it doesn't it doesn't work. That's what what is it seventy four percent seventy six percent purity. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so after the bus gone wrong, Jesse tells Hank and Gomi about his plan to get Walt. Uh, this is going right back to where we were, where we left off with Jesse and Hank last episode. Uh, they go back to Hank's house, and Hank drops some brains on the floor. He has a plan. He definitely has a plan. We don't understand what it is here yet, uh, but we soon will. I So when Hank drops these brains on the floor, he takes half of them away. And I was thinking, is that indicative of what he considers Jesse's intelligence to be? <laughs> Um, I thought it was symbolic of Vince telling us we need to shut about half our brains off <laughs> for this episode. for the next thirty minutes or so. Oh come on! <laughs> no, that's a good point. I even I even notice he's like wait he's like weighing it up Indiana Jones style with yeah. the idols. Like, eh, would this yeah. much come out of Jesse's head? I yeah. don't know. It's more like a squirrel brain. Uh, I did dig that though, because as soon as the brains hit the ground, I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. Oh, you did? See, I didn't get it. Oh, really? I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Ugh. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. Apparently, uh, if you listen to um, the Insider Podcast, Aaron Paul had a real problem trying to film that scene. His gag reflex just kept kicking in. Yeah. And he, like, the entire scene, he was just gagging trying to get through it. Because my grandfather is a German immigrant, and he made this thing, this concoction called head mush. Oh, sounds great. Which basically, you take a hog's head, <laughs> the uh, whole thing, and uh, you boil it for like a day and a half until everything renders down to this, <laughs> you know. Are you testing our audience's gag reflex? And then you, then you add like oatmeal and barley to it, press it into patties, and you serve it with Cairo syrup for breakfast. I shit oh, you not. Oh, jeez. Can it's I like have, can I have fucked up menus from other parts of the world for 500, Alex? <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I bet that I bet it stinks and just the uh, you know the blood and the consistency, nah, not good. Yeah, not good at all. Uh, so to further the plan, Hank and Gomi go to see Huel, and uh, they show a picture of Jesse dead on the floor with the brains that they dropped spilling out, uh, and he spills his guts. 
He spills everything he knows, including uh, what Walt loaded his money into and the fact that the van was dirty when he brought it back. Yeah, he basically spilled literally everything he knows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the part that I didn't, where I didn't make the connection as to why Hank went into his next plan. So I didn't totally get where that came from the first time around. So the second time, I was like, yes, that makes total sense. That's you, Hank's a smart dude. He figured it out. Did you have a problem with uh, how quickly the meat-eating man turned on his criminal conspirators? I didn't, man. I Like I said in the instant cast, I've always pictured Huel as kind of this uh, gentle giant guy, and he doesn't really want any part of that uh, when people start dying. Yeah, but just the way... I mean, I agree. I agree. Um, I feel like it. I wish there was time, and I know that he didn't have time, but I wish there was time for like a commercial break or a scene in between here, and maybe one more piece of proof that Hank could have ginned up. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and again, I don't know what that would have been, but you know, it it wasn't a big problem for me. But I feel like it's one of those things where it was just a little thing that kind of stacked up on the one side of, huh? You know, head scratchers. And okay. as many, if, if you're asking us to swallow some big head scratchers, it would behoove you as a writer to kind of smooth over some of these smaller ones. I don't know how he could have done better because I'm not Vince Gilligan and this is the best he could do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but well, again, I like how he... this, this episode is the first time in a long time I can think of where Breaking Bad kind of ground its gears as it was, you know, trying to find, hmm. yeah. you know, the, the next the, the, uh, the, the, the clutch was just a little, little, little slippy on him on, on, on this episode. Yeah, and they 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 definitely pulled it out with with some you know shit hot action towards the end, but sure. for me it was was a little rough, a little pitchy dog. Well, I actually like how uh, Hank shows this picture to him very very quickly, and then snaps his phone shut, and is like, he just gives him enough of a glimpse to make him realize that. That's Jesse, and something terrible has happened, but not enough to see how unrealistic it looks. Although I don't know that he had to do that, because on a shitty cell phone circa 2008... <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is up with Hank's cell phone? What do you mean, what's up with it? It's a shitty cell phone. He This this show takes place in 2008. Everyone's phones were shitty back then. We don't actually know that, that, do we? No. I'm, well, I mean, we don't know what year it was, but assuming when the pilot aired, it was contemporary-ish. Uh-huh. And we've only elapsed about 14 months. Yeah, yeah, all right. I don't know, 2008, I had a better cell phone than that. No, That's you all didn't. I'm saying. You Fuck had the yeah, original Android phone that used three batteries a minute. <laughs> is the hum, is, it the, was, is the H1 it was of cell phones. It was better than that. <laughs> Did you use Certainly. five? Five what? Batteries yes. per minute. Yes, BPMs per minute. is what we called it. Uh, but batteries don't affect fuel in this scene because... Uh, Hank takes his battery and says, I took it out so you wouldn't be tracked by Walt. Uh, Nina P., proprietor of ProjectFandom.com, who uh-huh. uh, I, don't, I, I don't think – I can't remember if we made mention this on air, but she had a nice interview of uh, you, me, and Mad Brew uh, earlier in the year. and She's doing a Breaking Good podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she asked, uh, how long do you think – because obviously – uh, the DEA, the team's not coming back anytime soon. <laughs> no. How long do you think Huel waits in that uh, motel room? <laughs> Until he gets hungry. <laughs> <laughs> she actually did this really funny Photoshop of, uh, uh, it, like, it was, a, it was a pair of blinds with his huge eyes peeking out from behind it. And the title uh-huh. of it's like, you know, how long you gonna be? <laughs> yeah. It was like, uh, you know, Huel and his uh, spinoff series. Nice. It's just him waiting in a hotel room. 
That's ordering that, that might out. be better than the Better Call Saul spinoff <laughs> idea. Anyway, There's uh, some synergy there for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Anyway, so Walt tells uh, the uncles of anarchy why he wants them to kill Jesse, and in exchange, they want him to cook a, a couple more times and teach Todd how to make the blue. And Walt agrees to one cook, but not until after the job is done. And he's fooling himself if he thinks he has any hand in this relationship anymore. This, yeah, and they are mocking him. This exact scene is where he completely and irrevocably lost control of his criminal empire. Oh, for sure. And that's yeah. that's the way things work. You know, you're you're on top, uh, and as long as you're feared and respected, but the second that there's any weakness, I mean, that's the problem. Like, there's no, you know, if you if you're in a legitimate enterprise, there's. Uh, you know, golden parachutes and retirement plans and all that. But if you're in a criminal enterprise outside protection of the law, you're fucked. Yeah. Once the worm turns like that. Yeah. And it was, I, I mean, obviously Walt knows that they're mocking him here and that he has no real pull with these guys other than the fact that they want him to cook. Right. So, Really, that's his only card left to play. Right. And he's basically gotten back into, I mean, you know, we talked about this on Instant Cast. Uh, if he does cook for him, it's going to, them, it's going to be under duress. Yeah. Uh, you know, he doesn't want to. Sure. So he's put himself right back into the uh, Saul, or the, the Gus, rather, predicament. Yeah, no, absolutely. Only, obviously, these guys are way, way worse than Gus. Much harder to deal with, I'd imagine. Much harder to reason with, deal with, or threaten, yeah. cajole, anything. Uh, do you think that Walt actually would have fulfilled that uh, obligation to cook for them one time if they did kill Jesse? In, in the way that it I has think all he would pro- meant to. I don't know. I mean, I, I either that or use the disappearer, because yeah. I don't think... You double cross the you know the Uncle Jack and and company lightly, <laughs> and, and the, the thing is, is all this was set in motion last season. As soon as he got in bed, you know, with these guys, and and I think this is a story of Walt trying to do empire building on the cheap. <laughs> you know, well, he, it was all all he, of this stuff was outside of Mike's influence. That was the real no. That's what I'm saying. There. It's like he bitched and moaned about paying off Mike's guys, which yep. honestly was the smart long term plan. Yep. Uh, he went with uh, Todd's, you know, neo Nazi uncles to commit these prison executions. <laughs> Nothing can go wrong there. Nothing can go wrong there. I mean, his muscle is is Todd and these guys, and and also Huel and QB. So it's like he just where you know. Uh, Gus made his empire out of marble. Uh, Walt was very interested in tearing that down and replacing it with cinder block. Because sure. the only thing he gave a shit about was the purity of his meth and his own brilliance. And yep. he's paying the price. Yeah. For building with inferior materials. Seems like the only thing he gives a shit about now is his money, as we'll find out. But Things we'll going to collapse like the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. <laughs> Which we just went just, over. Just, I was freaked out going across that thing when you were telling me, oh, yeah, this is the bridge that shook itself apart. Yeah, totally. Oh, just because wind blew on it. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry, they fixed it. <laughs> Built it just like the last one. All um, right, anyway, uh, so now Walt goes to see Andrea, and he convinces her to call Jesse, uh, basically by telling her that Jesse's using drugs again. Like, 
Okay. Jesse has has destroyed himself, and we. I want you to go help him. So here, and so here's the problem. Problem number one: Did you get the opinion that Andrea and Jesse ended on good terms? No. Do you, were you super surprised <laughs> that Walt could just show up and be like, "Hey, I'm worried about Jesse," and Andrea is just like, you know, not like, "Well, fuck him." That loot. I mean, she is she still getting money from him? I don't know. Because if she is, maybe I could see this. Like, time has passed, and he got kind super of close to this woman and yeah. then spurned her hardcore, and she thinks poisoned her kid. Well, I think I, I mean that. I think that was kind of like water under bridge because they got back together in season five. Okay, yeah. But still, yeah, back of her mind, maybe some of that going on. Yep. Um, although, yeah, I, I don't know about that. But but still, <laughs> she he Jesse totally spurned her and probably with no real good reason at all. Yeah, just saying. Didn't actually didn't ever tell her exactly why. And, and right? so the next time we see these two, she's like, "Oh yeah, Jesse's been in fairly regular contact with me." And blah, blah, and and I, I don't know. Again, this feels like shortcut number one. Um, obviously, I think Vince is is going somewhere with this, but it's like I just felt like yeah, that whole interaction with her was pretty unnatural. Yeah, it makes me wonder how their relationship has maintained like jesse was in a bad way for a long time um now did he start talking to her at that point and she's been helping him through this situation like we don't know we're just left to assume that there is some kind of relationship there because she talked to him two weeks ago right by the way um this is the first time i realized that andrea is played by the same girl that plays the female reporter whose name escapes me uh on the bridge uh, the actress is Emily oh. Rios, and she's doing really good work in the bridge. Um, Apparently, she was on Friday Night Lights as well. I, don't uh, know. I, I, I was never. Uh, I tried to get into Friday Night Lights, but there's there's too much stuff that's uh, ahead of it in the queue. Oh, but yeah, okay. so I, I uh, thought that was interesting. All right, I thought she looked familiar when I was watching the bridge, but uh, she always wears her hair like really back, and you know she's a lot. She's got a lot softer looking. Breaking Bad, I guess. <laughs> you know who's wearing some crazy hair <laughs> in this episode? Uh, d- I'm going to call him Devil because I don't know his name in the show. <laughs> On Justified, he's Devil. His yeah. buddy in the car has the f- most insane mustache I've ever seen. Really? Did you not see it? Devil's friend yeah. or Devil himself? No, Devil's friend. No, I didn't. Oh, dude. It's like it's straight up what I think a real-life Wario would look like. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. It's basically does it rival art. does it rival our man at the DEA? Is he the evil version? Uh, yeah, he's the Nazi version. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Go back and look at that because it, it's basically like a handlebar mustache, except it's super greased into points that go upward. Yeah, uh, away from his face. It's crazy. He'll gory with that shit too. Watch yeah. it. <laughs> anyway. Uh, moving on to the next scene, Hank gets a message from Andrea and immediately dismisses it. He's like, nice try, asshole. Um, he was trying to get the GPS from the rental car company, uh, but they didn't have it, uh, thanks to ACLU. And Gomi wants to give up Hank. <laughs> uh, Gomi, Gomi wants to give up, but Hank has another idea, which we are not clued into as uh, of yet. By the way, we kind of glossed over this, but the last scene with Walt going showing up at Andrea and Brock's house. Yeah. Is probably the single like five minute stretch where Walt has been the most loathed in my Facebook threads. Like if my Facebook thread could have made a, a, a noise, it would have just been like stage hissing 
and booing because people just like that was it's low it is super low that's yeah, dirty and they'll be like looking over his food like what you eating there i i don't know that going 100 percent your vitamin vitamin c allowance eh brock <laughs> here let me just add a little more vitamin c to that yeah lily the valley is packed with it yep I, I don't know. Going to their house doesn't seem as low as poisoning the child to me, but... No, but it's just the fact that he's going back to inflict injury. Yeah, he, after having done that. Right. To manipulate her. And, sure. and especially since it's such a toothless threat at that point. We knew it. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so I, I the first time around I had a problem with uh, how Hank immediately dismisses this, and it's just kind of a dropped thread. I want to say I'm going to give it a little bit more time, maybe another episode... To, we got some good listener takes out. on where that might be going to. Okay, because I don't. History has shown that they will sometimes address these things in the next episode. Or yeah, two. I, be, I yeah, I, I my my problem was just the way they handled Andrea. That you know, all this time's elapsed, and it's just like, oh yeah, you know, Jesse's still a big part of my life, and I'm still a big part of his life, and yeah, and you know, there's no there's no awkwardness at all with you just dropping by. And how yeah. much of their criminal enterprise does she know about? By the way. None. That, I mean, that's why he sent her away, right? So she wouldn't find out about it. Because eventually he would have to... Like, Walt said, you need to tell her everything or get rid of her, basically. Mm. Well, yeah, I remember that, but I'm just saying that he acted weird about... She's like, well, have you tried calling the police? And he's like... Well, that was after he said that he's doing drugs. Oh, oh, I guess that, yeah, the, the cops frown upon stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I sometimes forget watching these shows. Right. Yeah. They're just looking for meth kingpins. They don't care if you're doing drugs. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Is that it for uh, for that scene there? Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll find out soon enough what Hank's plan was. But first we go over to the car wash where Walt Jr. is actually learning to run the register. He's a register rookie. He is, yeah. Um, he cashes out a 20 for some lady. Then Saul comes in. High roller Saul comes in and pays for a car wash with a 50. Yep. I think we have some feedback about this. We I don't do. know if we're going to include it, but I, I was just immediately like, yeah, yeah, that makes total sense that Saul would pay with a 50. Yep. These um, are problems, man. So uh, Saul then meets with Walt after paying, and he tells him that Huel's missing and that they haven't found Jesse yet. Uh, and what's funny what's about... Funny. What's... He says your phone broken, all 200 of them. <laughs> <laughs> Even the Hello Kitty one. Um. It's funny. I think I got this off in the, one of the Nattercast threads, but it's obvious now why he had the Hello Kitty phone, right? I mean, it was it was a it was a sight gag number one, but two, mm-hmm. um, if he just had some plain nondescript flip phone, it would have been impossible to keep track of. You know, now Hank's answering his phone. Well, it's really Jesse's phone. Having the Hello Kitty every time you see that fucking thing ring, you know <laughs> that's Jesse's phone. So, so that's a visual for us. It's the a audience. visual. It's 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 a fu- it's a funny sight gag. It's a marker. It's also a very good marker for us as the audience. I thought that was pretty okay. Pretty clever, kind of behind the scenes insight you expect to get out of those folks. Sure. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> we oh, were talking about Saul. What's funny more. about Saul is like so like if you're really trying to do the high roller thing, right? You'd be always mm-hmm. paying hundreds. And I, I think that it's sure. something so satisfying about him paying with a fifty. Yeah, he's like that's like the the guy who wants to be rich, so he flaunts some money, right? Uh, even though I I kind of feel like Saul is rich, right? He's what he's certainly I mean, he's certainly taking enough money off of Walt alone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but my thing was like he pays with fifty because that's what the drug 
uh, users pay with. You know, oh. like he's getting fifties for Walt, so that's just what he's using. I get you. He, he goes to buy Taco Bell and he pays with a fifty. Gotcha. Okay. He's that's how he launders. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, and with Huel around, I mean, you can order a meal, pay with a fifty. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> You're and, good, and not get much back in change. <laughs> Anyway, um, he's like, I'll have one of those. One of what? And he just like gestures towards the menu. <laughs> uh, did you notice the billboard in this scene? Uh, I think I um, shit. No. Okay. All right. So Walt and Saul are out in the, the parking lot of the, the car wash. And up behind Saul, you can see Saul on the billboard. <laughs> Oh, it's really hilarious. I thought you were talking about this because someone sent in a uh, something about like all the HBO references in this episode, which is kind of a it's oh. kind of a reach. But hmm. uh, like there was someone standing in front of I can't remember what the phrase was, but all you could see is like Treme. Oh, and, okay. you know, I had Jesse wearing the wire last week and all this other, you know, the, the, there's a, a laundry list of uh, possible HBO references that Dylan gotcha. is stuffing in because we do know he's a pop culture aficionado. Uh, unfortunately, that was not true blood on the floor with the brains. It was fake blood. <laughs> well, then it was true blood. <laughs> what? It was, I mean, I was like, that's a real cow brain, right? So that was real blood. No, it wasn't real blood. They cleaned off the brain. For fucking real? Why? For real. Yeah. Uh, for bacteria stuff. I don't know. <laughs> they didn't want the actors rooting around in bloody brains. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway. Uh, let's move on to the next scene. Walt gets a picture of a barrel of money and a phone call from Jesse telling that he's burning $10,000 per minute of his money until he gets out to the location where he buried it. I'm going to start calling Dean. Anytime I reference to Dean in the podcast, I'm going to call him Dean Mad Cow Norris. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't eating the brain. <laughs> Dean the Mad Cow Norris stars in Under the Dome. <laughs> uh, so Walt is uh, perturbed to say the least, by this uh, this call. And he races out to the desert, pleading with Jesse the entire way to leave his money alone. Mm-hmm. He's equating this money to his family, which I think is particularly despicable. Well, but it's true, right? In, in, in a way, It's yes, literally but true. It's I, also... It's, 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 so, so how much of this is about the fact that, you know, this is like, you know, this is literally... You know, I, I think people are all... Oh, okay. You know, I'm not a Walter Watt defender, obviously, but I think people are maybe a little too hard on him here because, again, just like, you know, Skylar mentioned last week, if you're going to sacrifice all that you've sacrificed, your good name, your Mm -hmm. relationship with children or family safety to provide for us when you're gone. Yep. And I do believe that's why he started this bullshit. Certainly why he started. Then if you lose it all. It completely invalidates all of that sacrifice. It's literally been for nothing. It's been for yeah. less than nothing. So yeah. I can see why he would get worked up about it. And it's it's yes, it is greed and it is pride, but it's also the desire to have all of this have some kind of meaning. I I'm with you there. I've just never seen Walt get this. Well, think about up it. About something. He's 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 always justified everything he does because it's for his family and it's for this greater end. Yeah. And he's been able to basically uh, swallow a fourteen months worth of intense guilt with that little rhetorical ploy. And if Jesse burns it all yeah. up in an instant, so like I said, I, I think there's 
Uh, I don't know that saying that he's just a, a you know a greedy pig is is fully explaining the psychology going on here. No, definitely not. I wouldn't say that that's all there is uh, in it. But at the same time, I know that his excuse of my family, my family has not been accurate the entire time. There was a time where he enjoyed what he was doing. Certainly, uh, for for his own reasons. Right. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, and, and I think money is a big part of that. I think pride is a big part of that. And family is another part of that. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe all of that is coming together here in this phone call. Jesse has gotten the better of him. So there goes his pride. His money's being burned as far as he knows. And that money is supposed to go to his family. So his family's being screwed. Right. All of it. That's, that's rough justice. Did uh, you have a problem with him, you know, not putting two, to two, and two and two together? And No, not at all. I, I think... You show him that picture just like you show Huel that picture of someone wanting to kill him and brains on the ground. You show Walt the picture of his money. Uh, he's not going to question it too much. He's yeah, going to no, immediately I, I go, oh, my God, I can't believe my money is going up. I agree, and I actually think the the, the time that they showed a lapse of him in a car and all that stuff was, was you know, a, a nice touch, too. So I, I still don't have any problem, really big problems with this. A little bit... And I know the Walt was in like a state when he hid this money, but yeah. a man as careful as Walter White and who has seen, you know, GPS tracking and has used GPS tracking and has been burnt by GPS tracking, mm-hmm. is it curious that he didn't even check the GPS stuff himself? I mean, that feels like, you know, and, and obviously nobody's perfect. Yeah. Everyone makes mistakes and slips up, but it feels like that with the amount of time he had, I don't know. That that's a little bit of a problem for me. Maybe, but did you have a problem with the way Gus went out? With his revenge story which caused him to let down his guard, get sloppy and be killed? I cuz I didn't. I did not have a problem with that no, and certainly I don't not. have a problem here where Walt, like you said, in a state of panic, because Hank has found out about his his drug dealing, uh, has gone out to the desert to hide his money. He he certainly wouldn't have thought about it at the time. Well, I guess if maybe like, here's the thing: if Gus had seen someone been blown up with an elderly person in a wheelchair, <laughs> at uh, almost himself, like like he went to go taunt him and then saw the bomb and then snatched it away and threw it in his enemy's face, uh, and then three episodes and then then two episodes later. Goes into Tio's room and gets blown up. I would say yeah. the Gus is kind of a fucking idiot. <laughs> All right, but but Here, that here's didn't another happen. Question. We rented a car when we went to Seattle. Did you think there might be a GPS tracker on that? I'm almost certain there probably was. What? No, see, I never assume that. But the thing is, is I'm not running a criminal fucking. I mean, <laughs> you know. Who's other than, smug- other than, sm- other than smuggling these guns across the border, what oh, could they Jesus. get me for? No, I mean, oh, like, it, I'm not, I don't know. I feel like, again... No, I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. It, and it's, it it's was a, a little sloppy, but I feel like Walt, at this point, has gotten sloppy. Yeah. I'm playing, and, and actually, I'm, I don't have a huge problem with this. I'm I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate. But there again, yeah. you know, if, if, if you're going to do some of the big big shortcuts, you, you kind of got to sweat the, the small ones, and... Okay. This episode, the season had been thus far up until you know a stumble last week, been really brilliant. Um, and yeah. it's just a shame that they couldn't make everything connect as neat as I guess 
we were hoping. I was hoping anyway. All right. Well, I know there's one more thing in this scene that a lot of people had a problem with. What's that? That was uh, Walt also being sloppy in that he confessed to a lot of crimes on the phone here. Mm. He flat out says that he killed Gus. He killed Emilio and Crazy Eight. He ran over the gangbangers. He com- he confessed to four murders, five murders there. Yeah, um, I guess I totally buy the him being an, an emotional distur- and, and trying to manipulate Walt, uh, Jesse. And the fact that I think this proves that he really does care about Jesse and you what know, he thinks I of believe him deep that, down. Yeah. So it's like yeah. I I didn't have a huge problem with that because that seems to be like you know your your he was well provoked. And bought the thing hook, line, and sinker, and Jesse knew exactly what buttons to push. Yeah, he certainly did. And, you know, even Jesse kind of, like, ramp, amped up his, like, you know, uh, street persona that yeah. he knows sets uh, Mr. White's teeth on edge, I got your money, too. bitch. That's right. I oh, yeah, nice orange glow. And he's like, <laughs> damn it, Jesse, don't you know that <laughs> lighter fluid plus money burns with a blue flame? See, I was wondering if that was going to come in. If it was, like... Wait, is Walt going to figure this out because it's the wrong color flame? <laughs> if He's were, a chemist. He might right. know. If you were burning my money with gas, then you would know. <laughs> Douse it in alcohol. It'll make a green flame. <laughs> uh, seriously, I don't know. Uh, I thought it was hilarious that <laughs> also during that conversation, <laughs> Jesse's like, I pistol whipped that Melanie calls ahead. Yes. Until he gave it all up. That's 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 a highlight. Awesome. Anyway, uh, so Walt gets out to Tahajali, and no one's there, to his surprise. Uh, he realizes that he's been tricked just in time for Jesse, Hank, and Gomi to pull up. He thinks it's just Jesse in the car, so he pull, he puts a call into the Uncles of Anarchy. And then when he sees that Hank is also with him, he calls them back. Or actually, he's still on the phone with him. He tells him, call it off. Don't come. Stay yeah, away. that was one of the things that bugged me most about Dan Feinberg's commentary. He's like... As soon as Walt pulled up in the street and, and saw that no one's there, he should have just hightailed it out of there. And I'm like, really? That's your first reaction? You're not just like, what? Because, again, the cognitive dissonance of you seeing yeah. your money barrel yep. and going there and the ground's undisturbed and, like, what the fuck is going on? A guy telling you he's burning and, it and as he you was, speak. Yeah, he was there for, like, what, a minute? And then he saw yeah, the... it was the, very quick. Right. And he, you know, he tried to get to the, the high ground to see, you know, what's going on. And, and then it was too late. Yeah, for sure. Um, Same mistake Hank makes just moments later. <laughs> oh, God. Stuck around a little too long. Have you yelled at a television that loud in a long time? Uh, I I was just... I was curled up in a ball of fear, and I, I just... I was like, Hank, get it, out of there. It get, just felt like watching sleep. a Go. horror show. Like, get the it fuck... Did. Get the fuck... <laughs> no, do not... Get the fuck out. And I love how long they play it. They play it for literally oh, 10 minutes. They, yeah, because he knows... He knows the audience at home is just going yeah. ape shit. Yeah. And, and then, like, when they're genius. like... When they're like, uh, well, you stay here with uh, Jesse Gomez. I was like, no! <laughs> Hank and Walt's going to get away, and Gomez and and Jesse are going to die. Or this is—it's yep. like ah, uh, it was tough to watch. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't know. Did you want to talk about anything about that the Walt's little dance and running around with the phone or anything, or should we move into where Hank actually arrests Walt? So, how do you think Hank and Jesse did they just hail him? No, I assume they tracked his GPS on his phone, but. Tracked his phone signal or something, triangulated it. Can you do? I mean, they're not working I in, with know. the law. 
Yeah, so this is probably the biggest problem I had with this episode. All of the what happens next is a kind <laughs> okay. of a problem with the me. shootout. Although I got to say, this show is kind of a modern western in a lot of ways. Sure, and that's not untrue to the western genre of film. Yeah, you know? but they've always used the trappings of cool westerns, but they've never done you know. Yeah, that's true. They, they, they've always had a twist on it, and it's always been more, I guess, realism or, or character-based and yeah. firmly rooted in that, and there's just a lot of stuff. I mean, let's talk about it, right? Sure, yeah. So Hank arrests Walt. He calls Marie to tell her, and before they could leave, the Uncles of Anarchy show up and decide to kill everyone after a tense standoff. Great, great moment with Hank. Um, I Seppenwall mentioned that if that had been, like, the closing moments of the series, that would have been pretty satisfying. That calls And Marie. finally... You know, snapping the bracelets on him. Oh, the the sound that that makes and the yeah. reaction from Jesse and just how fulfilled Hank must have been at that point. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, there glorious. again, that's where it's... Because you, the whole time... I mean, surely everyone out there knew that the uncles were coming. Yeah. You know, you can't stop the Nazis from invading <laughs> Poland, much less showing up to a much set of GPS coordinates. Um <laughs> So it's like I just you know I just knew, and the longer they're waiting, the longer they're waiting, and yeah. I'm just like, oh god! And then him calling, Mar- stopping to make a phone call, I and feel calling like this, Marie. It was it just felt, it felt right though, right? I mean, no, he yeah. would snap the cuffs on, and he would immediately call her and and give her that relief, give her that the the message felt, she's been waiting. All, for. No problems with any of that. That suspense was okay. very well done. Great and. You know, I liken on Facebook that, you know, this morning, it's like, I felt like this episode is like, you know, if, if your kid falls down and scrapes his knee and they're hurt, but they're like not hurt bad enough to cry. And they're kind of like, you can almost see and they're thinking like, should I start bawling my head off right now? And there's a split second where you can jump in there and like, hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, wow. You had a big boom and you can get him like distracted and they go on. <laughs> I feel like the first 30 seconds, first 30 minutes was our skin knee. And the last 20 minutes was Vince basically cajoling the shit out of us, hoping we wouldn't notice and start bawling. Um, because mm. the last 20 minutes was just – the action was awesome. The suspense was awesome. It's very well done, but lots of questions. Sure. Like why the fuck can't anybody hit anybody with a bullet? Yeah. With these guys that wiped out Declan and his whole gang yep. in 10 seconds – uh, cannot fucking kill these dudes with a shotgun and a nine millimeter in yeah. I don't know how much gun. I mean, obviously, you know, we you got the Hollywood style gunfight where you're doing multiple angles and multiple coverage, and they're trying to show you how long it feels to be in the gun battle. Yeah, they're slowing it down. But yeah, still, they had you know, it's like they could have staged this fight differently to make it a little bit more believable, I guess. Um, also, do we believe that the Team Panzer Gray could get out to Tahajali and those coordinates in less than 10 minutes. That seems like the biggest stretch of all. Like the, they, they, the neo-Nazi does. strike force was just ready to roll and could roll out, get in your cars, program so, a GPS and coordinates, <laughs> which I don't even know how to fuck to do. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd have to Google, Google that Maps. shit. You, you go to Google Maps, you can punch in GPS coordinates. Okay. And, uh, and and roll out and and be at the Indian reservation so in ten minutes. I will point out that in that scene that I didn't really like at the beginning of that one episode, mm-hmm. a few episodes back when they were in the diner, they were out in the middle of the desert. So maybe 
they're headquartered somewhere out in the desert. Mm. Maybe they are a lot closer than Walt was to that location. That's that's really the only excuse I have for that. But otherwise, yeah, that's a bit of a stretch. See, it seems to me, if I'm going to armchair quarterback, I think it would have been awesome if, like, at the very – towards the end of his mad drive, if – um, Walt had noticed he's on the, he's on the phone, like after Jesse hangs up on him and he looks at the photo again and he sees something that he knows is not right. And then he calls like, you know, just, just give us something a little bit more time to believe that this all could have come together the way you're, you're showing us here. Hmm. I don't know. Like I said, that's probably a terrible idea too, but <laughs> this, this, this is like one of the big moments of the show and it just didn't feel like it stood on the firmest of foundations and, and the, the yeah. marksmanship and all that stuff. The, now, did you think, what's your interpretation of uncle Jack wanting to see their badges? Oh, he was waiting for them to take their finger off the trigger. Okay. Absolutely. That's exactly what I thought too. Okay. There's no way bad. And, and I thought Hank and Gomi played that exactly right. Oh, like, fuck sure. you are badges. Yep. You know, you can see this, like all these guys with a bunch of automatic weapons and they look looking the way they do. Yeah. Neck swastika, neck, t- neck tattoos. So uh, no thanks. And it's and funny how at this point, Walt is just a sideshow. He's yeah. completely powerless. He can't warn Hank. He can't order Jack. Yeah. He can't do nothing but sit and watch yep. his whole world come unglued. And that's the thing. He called these people here. Yeah. He called them here, and now they are off the leash. Yeah. There's nothing he can do to stop this. It's and he was that's brilliant, he's too in absor- absorbed in his own thoughts because he probably could have said a combination of words to make Jack not go out there. Uh-huh. Like, Jess, it's like, Jess, you're right. He is a snitch, and he brought the DEA with him. Click. You know, it's yeah. don't worry. You know, don't save yourselves kind of thing. But, you know, the way he mentioned it was... Yeah, I mean, that moment is so good where Walt sees Jesse, and he calls these guys up, and then he sees Hank. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he's defeated. Mm-hmm. He is, he knows that he can't go through with the one thing that could get him out of this situation. Right. Uh, he and yet he himself. unknowingly goes through with it. Yep. Is the worst part of it all. Yep. Yep. Ah. Uh, Oh, that's devastating. And then uh, what do you think of uh, Walt calling Jesse a coward? And I, I liked the spit and then scuffle and sue. Yeah. is so reminiscent of the lame-ass fights <laughs> that they've had so many times before in the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're Funyun fights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I think, uh, I mean, obviously Walt calls him a coward for working with Hank. Mm-hmm. Um for for being a rat i mean he didn't think he was a rat yeah I mean, it was a, a very condensed version of the speech gus gave to hector yes absolutely a real man doesn't go to the dea unless he's gonna tell him to unless he's gonna shit his pants unless he's gonna shit his pants <laughs> uh see that's the thing that you really have to remember here is walt didn't know that jesse was working with hank this entire time so when he gets that phone couldn't call, even imagine it could not yeah. even imagine he'd be he said a rat. there's no way that would that would happen which is funny because I'm sure Jesse, prior to the things of last season, would never have imagined that Walt was capable of being so cavalier about a child dying, that he could be so yeah. cavalier about killing a business associate, all those things. They have both drastically misjudged each other. Right. <laughs> yeah. And yet he still uh, he doesn't have it in him to take out Hank, so that's 
probably going to be his downfall here. What all do you think Jesse was feeling, man? Uh, You've had I, a couple more times to watch this now. So I feel did you, like... Did you feel like what I was feeling at the instant cast? There was more to that than just, I can't believe this is happening. This feels good. Yeah, no. So he he definitely felt that at first, initially. He was Because, I mean, he can't keep getting away with this. That's what mm. he said. And when he didn't get away with it for once, I think Jesse was extremely happy. Um, At the same time, it's mixed emotions. I mean, they... Regardless of the stuff that Walt has done to him, I think Jesse, as evident by him not pulling away from that awkward hug in the desert, still there's still something there where Jesse has feelings for this dude, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Walt does too. Obviously, he couldn't... Uh, well, at this point, he probably could have killed Jesse, put a hit on him. Uh, but he's still having trouble with that. So I don't know. What do you think? Uh, no, I think, yeah, there, there was a little bit of a wistfulness about, you know, being... That, that that in Jesse's mind, the end is happening at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Appreciation for that irony, uh, disbelieving that is this really happening? That this is this all worth it? Um, you know, I guess there there's another thing. It's like I I feel like obviously it's a moot point about all this evidence that Walt gave up because it clearly is not going to matter. At least that's my speculation. <laughs> um, but how? So uh, the other problem I had is how much. Hank just thinks that it's case closed now because he 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 met him out there in a patch of desert. Well, he's got the money. Does he? Yeah. Now, what if he does have the money? How can you prove that it's Hank's? How can you prove it's Walt's money? Uh, that's a good question. I, I what I assume is that he was actually recording that conversation on the phone, but. But did, I don't did know he that. have a wire? Did I mean? Did he have permit? I mean, no, none of the none of this evidence doing. was was gathered legally at all. That's totally true, totally true. So would this? I mean, he just felt like. I, and I'm not a lawyer. I know we have a couple lawyers that listen. It would be interesting to see what they thought about the way this evidence was collected. But yeah, I don't know. That, that's the other thing in the back of my mind is is. You know, clearly Hank's been reckless this entire season about this stuff. But this this seemed like it was kind of over the top. But Gomi seemed to think it was a slam dunk too, so maybe we're wrong. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to reconcile Gomi here because I feel like Hank could be kind of written off as I'm just going to catch this guy at all costs, um, whereas Gomi should be impartial here a little bit, right? Yeah. Yes, he's fr- Hank's friend, but he's also very aware of what the law is in regard to collecting evidence, and I don't feel like Hank has come anywhere near that. Hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know what his deal is there, but of course none of that it matters at this point because the uncles of anarchy have shown up. Uh, prediction time: What? Who do you think walks away from this battle next week? Uh, Jesse and Walt. That's it. Yep, I think Hank's done. The what about the uncles of anarchy? Um, m- m- uh, I can see Todd taking a bullet to the face. <laughs> just because you want to see it, or because yeah, you think it'll I'm annoyed with his character at this point. His yeah. oh my! Like, again, this is a man who, at a second's notice, whipped out a gun and casually shot this kid right in. You know, yep. <laughs> killed him with one shot. And this is a guy standing in the back with his like the the worst gun technique of all time, just like eh, eh, firing <laughs> these bullets. It doesn't. I, I don't get it. It's like. It's uh, the, the same guy. I mean, the same guy made all these episodes, right? Yeah. 
Definitely. I, I guess the decision was made somewhere between season 5A and season 5B to just crank up the meth part of Meth Damon and just make him look like a complete <laughs> Yeah, maybe idiot. he's been using his product. Could be. Getting high go. off his own supply. Yep. Bad idea, I hear. Terrible idea. Uh, and I like how Hank also is so satisfied by this. Not only does he call Marie, but before that, he rubs it in uh, in Walt's face by showing him the picture, saying, this was obviously not your money. Right. If you had thought even for a second, you would have realized that, but you were too blinded by your greed. Right. Uh, so, neener, neener. But that's that's <laughs> awful big talk from a guy who's spent 14 months with his... <laughs> Living with his uh, kingpin brother-in-law right under his nose. Uh-huh. I, I thought yeah. I thought Hank was way, way too much in this episode at the end. Okay. I mean, I, I'm glad he had that conversation with Marie, actually, because I thought that humanized him and brought him down and made him much less of an asshole. But I oh, was yeah. like, God damn, I hope the fucking uncles do roll up and ventilate you. <laughs> like, you know, it's like his, 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 his smarminess and cockiness was putting me back on Team, team Walter White. All right. Uh, I'm I'm with you though. I think uh, I think Jesse, Walt, and the Uncles of Anarchy walk out of this. I think Hank and Gomi and Todd are all dead. Uh, and I think that so how I mean Hank's Walt's got to be able to parlay his money into something here, right? Because there's something like somewhere between twenty five and fifty million dollars, say, buried under this here desert. <laughs> Uh-huh. And Walt knows where it's at, and Team Panzer Gray does not. Is uh, there any way that he can use? Because the other thing is, like, they completely hold the upper hand, so they might just, you know, it could 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 Walt trade that money for his freedom somehow, and not be forced to cook? Yeah, maybe. But you know, it's one of those things like how it's it's one that again the criminals like okay, well show us where the money is. Well, will you let me go first? No, you show me where the money. <laughs> I mean, those, yeah. there's there's no way you can you can bargain. It, it kind of reminded me of the Boardwalk Empire. I, I saw some guy try to offer money to a guy to keep him from killing money he had on him, <laughs> and I'm like, don't I'll you understand you that he it. can kill you, get paid for killing you, and take the money anyway? Yeah, it's like you're you're. You're just pissing up a rope, man. Die with some dignity. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's well. That's the weird thing with the uncles of anarchy is they seem to realize how how much more valuable the cook is to them uh, when Walt's doing it, and yet they don't seem to care about the initial or about the end product in the beginning of this episode, right? Well, I don't think they just care. I just don't think they like for their purposes. They're going to make money either way. I mean, obviously they can make more money if it's pure because Lydia's people pay more, but they just, yeah, yeah, they don't give a shit. This is so much more money than they've ever been able to make in their life. And God knows what kind of heinous shit they can find finance with it. Sounds good. That's it for the episode. Uh, like I said, I thought it was uh, a little rough in spots, but overall I was drawn in by the intensity, the, uh, suspense and the action. Yeah, for sure. The last 20 minutes made up for a lot yeah. Um, and I, I actually like the parts where they. What did you think about them the ending phone, in the, the middle of a gunfight? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, before I make a judgment call as to the quality of that, I want to see how it plays out. Yeah, I'm saying well, I'm, I refuse to condemn Villigan without seeing the first, 
you know, the, with that scene next week's episode because yeah. we could be eating all of our words even more than we already are, or we <laughs> sure. could be, you know, or we can really be like, whoa, fucking misplay. Yeah, definitely. But if we open up with Hank and Gomi dead, I'm going to kind of like be like, well, why didn't we just in there? Or alternatively, why not cut to, you know, fade to black produced by Vince Gilligan before the guns started flying? Yeah. So certainly. I don't know. I feel like he's got something up his sleeves, or why would he do it that way? Yeah, I hope so. Uh, that's it for the recap. Before we get into uh, our pimping, I wanted to do a little pimping for Audible, because we are sponsored this week by Audible. If you go to audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove, you can get a free audiobook download with your 30-day trial. Uh, they have well over 150,000 books to choose from. So Unabridged. Probably more audio than you could listen to in a lifetime, I think. At this point, mm-hmm. 150,000 books times what? 10 hours. That's a lot. That's yeah. A lot. I, I can't do math, but that's a lot. <laughs> uh, what do you have as far as a recommendation on Audible? So um, HBO just started uh, playing The Life of Pi, the movie that came out last year and was a smash in 3D. I saw it in the theaters uh, on 3D. It was an amazing movie. One of those things huh. where... Uh, you know, if you, if you see it in the right frame of mind, it can kind of, uh, I don't know, I mean, maybe not change your life, but definitely give give a different take, a viewpoint on life. And I was browsing through their catalog today, and I, f- I saw that they have the unabridged version of the book that the film was based on, uh, The Life of Pi by Yann Martel, um, and that you can download that as one of the many hundred, or as one of the 150,000 works. And I definitely want to uh, check that out because uh, I... Uh, I signed up for the subscription when, back when we started doing this thing, and I've, become, I've been a customer ever since. Uh, what I really enjoy about it is if you have a Kindle device, um, it whispers syncs between the audiobooks and on your – like, you know, when I'm driving to work, I can listen to it on my cell phone. And then when I'm at home at night, I can grab my Kindle off my bed stand, and it'll sync to the spot where the book got done reading itself to me. Yeah. And that's like the ultimate because I can it consume is. that stuff. It's like mainlining, mainlining literary works. So that's my Audible um, recommendation. Another one in the same same vein is uh, uh, Freakonomics. I read that a couple of years ago, and I thought it was interesting because there's a chapter talking about the econo- um, how the KKK is like real estate agents. <laughs> what? Which reminds me of the uh, the neo Nazis from this episode. And there's also an extended scene uh, uh, talking about the inner workings of a drug empire. Oh, economics okay. and and how it's managed and what the different challenges are. It's really fascinating look at economics. Um, very unique look at economics and how it applies to everyday life. And it's illuminating into some areas that you know you don't really get to spend a lot of time with, like neo Nazis and drug dealers. So <laughs> well, speak for yourself, man. There you go. There's the Breaking Bad core <laughs> audience. They want to know more about neo Nazis and drug dealers. Absolutely, uh, check so that man. out as well. Yeah, if you want to check that out, they've got the unabridged version. Unabridged version and the revised version as well. Awesome. Don't fucking I, cut my pimping off, man. <laughs> I was trying to re-pimp. My with pimp hand will come oh, strong. Jesus. You beat my melon, I call it head. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely beat that fleshy horn you've got on that forehead. I actually listen to the uh, Freakonomics podcast as well. That's pretty cool. I do too. It's pretty yeah. good stuff. All right. That's all the pimping I've got. What about you? Uh, I'm going to cut it short since we spent so much on Audible. Uh, baldmove.com. You can find all of our shits there, including the personal arrogance guys. Beard board games, video games, uh, fantasy football. Uh, Eric's doing a new podcast called uh, Get Off My Running Back, which is going to be a 
uh, geek-oriented football cast uh, with uh, coverage of fantasy football. I'm co-hosting with him this week. Check that out. The Because Show, uh, three ladies, three hilarious ladies from L.A. Check them out. Up yours downstairs, Tom and Kelly, uh, breaking down Downton Abbey, Mr. Selfridge, wrapping up Titanic. Uh, keep giving us those positive reviews on iTunes. That's how you help us grow the network. And as far as support, check out our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com. Y'all know how that works. Ain't going to bore you with the details. All right. How about some feedback? Do we have any voicemails this week? Yes, we do. <laughs> As a matter of fact, we have four of them. Uh, the first one comes from Aaron from Massachusetts, and I'm going to play that now. Hi, this is Aaron from uh, Newton, Mass. Again, I uh, just want to say thanks again for another great instant take. And my uh, comment on the on the uh, whatever that Navajo word was is. Uh, when Hank told Marie that she was that he had got Walt dead to rights, I thought she had a really strange expression on her face, and all I could think was the untraceable poisons. Like maybe she's already done something, and somehow this messes that up. Or she didn't seem very happy, and you know I thought she'd be jumping up and down, and woohoo, it's all over. But you know she almost seemed like now maybe it was just a premonition that things are going to go badly for him, in which case I think probably Hank does die next episode. And if that happens, then I wonder if we're going to have a kind of a girls' night out episode where it's Skylar versus Marie versus Lydia in some kind because Skylar knows who Lydia is. So that would be kind of interesting if the guys are all, you know, like Walt locked up cooking and Jesse maybe with him and Hank and Gomi are dead and, Skylar is taking matters into her own hands. That could be really, a really cool uh, episode. But anyway, I just wanted to see what you guys thought about Marie's expression and whether was, I'm reading too much into it. Thanks. So what do you think about the idea that Marie did not seem overly happy when she got the call from Hank that he had caught Walt? Well, with uh, the other Aaron's point seemed to be that maybe she'd already acted on the poison thing. Yeah. The big problem with that theory is we know for a fact Walt's still alive roughly eight to nine months down the, lo- the road. Mm, Slow-acting poison. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, I read she her poisoned expression him with cancer. as honestly more relief than happiness, I think. Yeah. Um, she was just so overwhelmed with relief that she didn't have anything to say. She, like... She she just kind of this big exhale of it's finally over. No, I thought it was a great performance with Betsy Brandt, a very restrained performance where she's got, you know, satisfaction, relief, pride in her husband. Yeah. You know, there's still a lot of fallout. That's right. It's not really total happiness. Really. No, and how could she be? I mean, this is her this is going to impact her sister. <laughs> True. Right? Yeah. I mean, she yeah. didn't cooperate, so Matt uh, you know, Mad Cow. Hank is going to come after her with both barrels, too. Both barrels and half a brain. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's move on to Alex F. from Texas, and here's what he has to say. Howdy, fellas. Uh, This is Alex F. from Texas, and I wanted to give you all a call because this most recent episode reminded me of a line from a book I'm reading right now. Um, It's Live by Night by Dennis Lehane, and early on, one of the characters says the following. What I've learned is that violence procreates, and the children your violence produces will return to you as savage, mindless things. You won't recognize them as yours, but they'll recognize you. They'll mark you as deserving of their punishment. Violence breeds violence, and what you put out into the world will always come back for you. And that's what we're seeing with Walt, right? 
You know, he thought he could make a clean break from the meth business, but it really doesn't work that way. And he's done violent things, and now the proverbial children of those violent things are coming for him. So a, a poisoning Brock was a kind of violence, and it led directly to Jesse soaking Walt's living room with gasoline and eventually teaming up with Hank. Uh, blowing Gus's face off was, you know, just a little bit violent, and that led to Walt teaming up with Lydia. Well, now Lydia wants quality, and that's why the uncles of anarchy are pressuring Walt to cook again. And uh, speaking of Uncle Jack and his crew, uh, it was the prison massacre, which was really Walt's biggest act of violence, that got Walt into bed with those guys in the first place. And now it looks like Walt's involvement with them is going to cost him the life of his brother-in-law and maybe even Jesse. So, yeah, pretty much everything is coming back around, and that's what's so satisfying about this final season. Um, like, the Villigan and company have a great sense of the history their show has built up, and they're paying off everything that needs to be paid off. It looks That paid off, it looks like. And also giving us all heart attacks, I might add. Man, I really picked the wrong fucking week to quit smoking. Anyway, that's what I got. Uh, cheers and keep up the good work. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you, Alex. That's, I mean, that's the kind of the Villigan philosophy, right? We've talked about it many times, I think, with uh, his idea of karma. And, and certainly Walt's violence plays into that directly. Yeah, and it's like that's part of the mission statement for the show. I mean, Marie's therapist said as much, violence begets violence. And it's yeah. not really, uh, especially extra legal violence, doesn't seem to be a solution for much of anything in this show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, extra legal investigations, though, those pan out. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, Kevin B. from California. Here we go. Hey, Jim and Aaron. This is Kevin B. from California. Uh, it's been a while since I wrote in, but I uh, figured I'd uh, use this call since I uh, kicked down some money for it. Uh, anyway, uh, on last week's cast, uh, one of the listeners had wrote in asking about ways the show could go wrong at this point. And uh, I'm not really worried about this anymore because it seems uh, increasingly unlikely. But before this part of the season, I was always worried that, um, you know, uh, Zilligan's original pitch of turning Mr. Chips into Scarface, that he was going to take that a little too literally. Um, some people know that uh, Al Capone's nickname was Scarface, and he went up, uh, he went into jail for tax evasion. I was worried that he was going to try to be a little too cute and send Walt to jail for tax evasion or something like that. And uh, given the way the, the, the first four of this part of the season have gone, I'm pretty sure that's not the way it's going to happen, but it was always in the back of my mind going into this last stretch, but uh, hopefully it doesn't turn out that way. I think, uh, I think it would be pretty bad if that were the case, but uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Anyway, uh, thanks for doing what you guys do. We all appreciate it, and uh, good luck. Looking forward to tonight's episode. Bye. Yeah, you know, when I think Scarface, for some reason Al Capone never came to mind. It was always Tony Montana. Well, yeah. Uh, but that that makes total sense. I didn't even think about, you know, Al Capone's tax evasion uh, charges and the fact that maybe Walt could end up that way. And it seemed like maybe for a while he was headed that way. Yeah, it would feel it would feel kind of crappy to get him on a technicality, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Certainly Hank wouldn't settle for that, right? No. Uh, he didn't seem like he would have been too thrilled with it. So, yeah, good take, though. All right, that's it for the voicemails. What do we got for emails this week? Uh, I'll start off with JJ, who thought that by having Walt uh, calling the death squad, then turn, then 
calling it off and turning himself in to save Hank, uh, Jesse, and Gomez, uh, only having a backflip. That that was kind of like the Diet Coke of evil. Uh, he said, I think it would be a 1,000 pounds heavier had Walt called the uncles back. And while Hank was looking at the cars coming in, he could have looked over his shoulder at Walt or, and seen Heisenberg looking back with the I fucking warned you in your garage, bitch, kind of stare. You think that would have been stronger uh, if at the af- if at the end that Hank had or Walt had fully broken bad? I oh, I it might have been it might have been stronger. Would have felt out of character with Walt. If we're to believe everything he's ever said up to this point, yeah, I think so. I, I mean, don't know, man. Said, I think an argument can be made that him sparing Hank's life is borderline out of character why i guess it's his it's 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 us versus them it's like i you know i'd, I'd rather save one of of you than a hundred thousand people in a stadium that i don't know huh. you know so i i guess it's just yeah I know, his thing has been family from the beginning i think yeah. if he turned on that now i would have a bit of a problem with it uh, Tammy in Texas uh, was really hoping that when Walt was yelling to Jesse about all the murders and, and how it was all for Jesse, I just knew that he was going to blurt out something about Jane, and I really wish he would have. Hmm. I kind of felt that too, uh, Tammy. I was thinking as he was just going on and on and on that he would either mention it there or at the end when Jesse spit in his face, it would have been also a, a really <laughs> a cold, you know, shine on remark to say that uh yeah. hey by the way you know how Je- jesse or jane choked in her sleep i watched that happen when i went in to steal our money back from you <laughs> i mean that would have been pretty brutal right it would have yeah uh i i don't even know if they're gonna address that by the end of the series they may not uh, Dustin in Kentucky says, I could see Ta- Skyler turning in the recorded confession to the police in an upcoming episode. I don't think Walt is going to jail, but I don't believe the uncle's anarchy are going to let him leave the desert without coming with him. Skyler will be left to think he's dead when he doesn't return home, or Marie will somehow let the cat out of the bag to Skyler that Hank had arrested him. Either way, the only way to clear her name is to turn the confession in and pin everything on Hank. This could be why the neighbors in disbelief in the flash forward scene, because the news said Walt is dead. Do you see that? Maybe happening that way. Yeah, I've always kind of liked the the theory that Carol thought Walt was dead. And that's why she reacted the way she did. Dropped the oranges. Do you think? I like that too. Do you think that the confession is going to be is going to turn back up? Like, is that going to be? If- I I don't I don't feel like it needs to. Honestly, I think the purpose was to try to push Hank off of his trail, and it didn't work. Yeah, but if it's just Skylar versus Murray, both their husbands presumed dead. Uh-huh. You know, who's going to use the nuclear option first? Oh, that's a good question. I... Well, you know, uh, Skyler's certainly meaner now than Marie. Because the thing is, is, is Hank going in this extra legal bullshit and going out in the desert and getting himself killed? That would be the nail. I mean, Hank has no idea about nails and coffins. That That's the <laughs> final nail. That's the cement sarcophagus that the coffin, the nailed coffin rests in. Yeah. No fucking way will anybody believe that he was anything but a crooked cop, right? Yeah. And Gomi was yeah. in on it too. Um moving on, Jeremy C said there does there probably isn't much uh he had a, pro- a couple problems in the episode too. Said there probably isn't much reception of signal in the desert for sure. And those dumb phones they use in the show don't even have GPS. 
Of course, they can track the cell towers, but there's no way they can track Walt's phone that fast and pinpoint that accurately. Also, Todd's Uncle Gang coming into desert in 10 minutes. We talked about that. I wanted to give Jeremy credit for you know the first the first person that, that called the bullshit on that. All right. Uh, Mike from Jersey says what I did. Um, he elaborates. He actually did some some number crunching on this. He said that uh, what I found implausible is Todd and Team Panzer Gray were able to show up in the desert less than ten minutes after getting a cell phone and GPS coordinates from Walt. I rewatched the episode and Walt gives the coordinates at the thirty three fifty five minute mark. They show up at the forty three oh five minute mark. The entire scene was in real time, meaning it took them less than ten minutes to get to the, from getting the call to finding the supposedly discreet location. Um, so then he goes on how absurd it is. Like, are we really supposed to believe he he buried his money less than ten minutes from town? Google map shows that Tohajali Reservation is forty five miles and an hour and twenty minute drive west of Albuquerque. <laughs> Even if Todd and Team Panzer Gray were not in Albuquerque, it's completely far fetched. They just happen to be less than ten miles from this isolated location. Yeah, pretty damning. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, can, just shr- you can just shrug and say, stop eh, Hollywood. Crushing my, my hopes that this is going to be the best series ever. <laughs> Poking uh, holes in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I guess one thing I could say is I don't know that you're supposed to be watching television. It's kind of like if you watch 24 and you're like, hey, oh, it, would, it, would take, it would take Jack 45 minutes to drive from this side of town to another. <laughs> yeah, L.A. You're, traffic? Are you you're, kidding you're me? You're kind of missing the point. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, it's like, I don't know how big a plot hole has to be before, you know, cause I guess that's part of like, um, that's part of 24's science fiction, right? That Jack can just cut through traffic because who wants to watch him stuck in a traffic jam? <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. Breaking Bad's. Or taking a shit. The guy doesn't take a shit for 24 hours. Yeah. Or like Breaking Bad's, um, you know, their science fiction is kind of how they play a little fast and loose with the science of making meth, the acid dissolving yeah. bat, blah, blah, blah. But they've never really played fast and loose with location and stuff like that. They've always had a real strong sense of place and time and how remote things are and this felt like all that history worked against them somehow sure john m says by the time walt returns to the house as the flash forward showed the money is still not found and walt is taking the rice and for himself so he can't be tortured to divulge its location before he dies from cancer that's a slightly new twist on the him taking rice and Um, to keep from revealing, although the we know the ricin is such a slow acting poison, you're still going to take a lot of torture. Yeah, a week of torture. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't sound like fun to me. <laughs> With ricin coursing through your veins the whole time. Yeah. Uh, if there is a spinoff of Saul, Skyler will be defended by him in the beginning episode. What do you think of that? All right, yeah. So the that's pilot a good place episode. To start it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think so too. You could get sure. some fan favors. In fact, you probably milk a whole arc out of that. Yeah. Uh, Justin F said, did you notice Hank Gomez and Jesse's colors align as their allegiances all shifted together? Team red and black. I did notice that Hank was wearing a black jacket for the first time, I think, ever. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever seen him in black. Yeah, they were all coordinated. Dan from Ontario said, great episode, but I didn't, but that, excuse me. Great episode, but didn't that gun battle go on just a bit too long with everyone shooting at point-blank range? It's no not one even hit. over. <laughs> yeah, right? It's going on for a solid week. Oh, no shit. No one stopping to reload. Gomi and Hank right out in the open at the start with a couple of high-powered assault rifles aimed right at them. Nothing got hit except the vehicles. It reminded me of an old A-Team episode. <laughs> yeah. So, to be fair, the only guy who we've seen is actually a decent shot is Todd, right? 
<laughs> Except for in last night's episode. He couldn't. He was doing that uh, no, namby-pamby, no, okay, yeah. <laughs> dumbass isosceles technique or whatever you'd call it. Sure. But before that, we haven't actually seen the Uncle of Anarchy kill anybody. Except they killed Declan Clue, but in like was, ten seconds flat. It was all off screen. We don't even know if they killed him. <laughs> <laughs> we did see the dead bodies. We did see the bodies, and and we assume that they're maybe they just shots. fell down and played possum. There you go. They're like, fuck this, fuck this mess, shit. We're gonna go sell. No, I, I'm with you. It's coke out in California. It's a little silly, but practically every movie and TV show has this, right? Mm. Right. Mm. I mean, maybe The Wire doesn't. All I'm saying is they could have staged the shit. Like it's it's kind of like okay. So if I take Walking Dead to task for that bullshit staging of the of the season two premiere, where a horde of walkers just snuck up on a group that has a, a lookout amount of position. Sure, sure. I gotta call bullshit on Breaking Bad when they staged a gunfight with these guys in the middle of the. Uh, they didn't. They could yeah. have ambled over to cover as the vehicles approached. They could have done a lot of things that they didn't do. I'm with you. So with we're you. Be- was- we're. We're, we're they're begging us to ask this question. I and like we've that. asked it and we've answered it and it is bullshit. I agree. There you go. Moving on. I agree. Decor. Uh, although I got a question for you. Do you think maybe Hank and Gomi did get hit, but they're wearing bulletproof vests? Because mm. Gomi looked like he was in some pain when he hit that truck, right? I kind of thought that Gomi might have taken a hit or two, but then subsequent in the fight, it didn't seem like yeah. his fighting capacity was degraded. So, so I don't maybe know. Maybe he took a hit to the vest. Could be. We'll see next week. We'll find out. Uh, D Corp says there's only one scenario that makes sense in my head that's got me excited. N- oh, what? Whoa, whoa! Snuck in a spoiler oh. in the main section. <laughs> D Corp, fool me once, shame on me. <laughs> Let me uh, copy that for the spoiler section. John P says having killed Hank and Gomi to save an irate, ungrateful, and increasingly difficult Walt. The neo-Nazis kidnap his ass and force him to cook for an undetermined amount of time in truly depraved living conditions. Conditions so depraved that even the audience feels like it's bordering on too much for Walt's karmic debt. Additionally, what would that be? I don't know. Because like, I'm thinking Homeland, I'm thinking and he, I don't think that would be bad enough. I'm thinking he's like he's literally his meth, pat, his meth lab is like the pit of pig urine that Rambo... <laughs> <laughs> was was like tied up in and Rambo too. Wow, with leeches on him as he's trying to mix chemicals and there's flies <laughs> buzzing all over the yeah. That shit makes for great purity. Hell yeah, he'd Hell be lucky yeah. to get seventy six percent. Well, they're going for that snot yellow stuff. That's going to be their brand. Uh, additionally, knowing her fear of and lack for and for lack of a better word, respect for Heisenberg as well as her unwillingness to confront and accept the ugly side of business, the neo Nazis refrain from informing Lydia of the situation with Walt. With Lydia in the dark, Todd takes credit for the improved cooking, believing it impresses an increasingly flirtatious Lydia. He then he then postulates that they might have some sort of relationship. What do you think of that? Oh, I think he already does think they have a relationship. No, but I'm saying, do you actually think it? They they will. Oh, uh, that's got to be going somewhere, right? Uh, I don't know. At, at least there needs to be some kind of resolution to that to the to the positive or negative i don't care but they've made a a point of showing us that they need to do something with it yeah maybe i think that yeah anyway uh moving on jason r says one thing that's bothering me though uh what has really changed in the evidence front that hank gomi and jesse are so slam dunk on this occasion they have jesse on camera which is not an uh but that's not enough and it's 
uh, he says parenthetically, it's still bothering me that Jesse did that without cutting a deal in advance. The conversation that could have been recorded with Walt in the car would be inadmissible as there's no way to wire, wire war, tap warrant was given. And really, how do they justify taking uh, the electronic steps necessary to tail Walt anyways? I don't know. I wonder if I wonder if Air, uh, New Mexico is a two-party consent state because if not, that was just a phone call that Jesse made to Walt, and he they, and Jesse consented to have it recorded. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He basically says, "I'm just wondering how we got from shit we got one guy's word against another to bam, Purple Marie, we got him nailed." Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we brought that question up too, and it's a very good one. I kind of think that you know Vince is like, "Well, it's not really that important because everybody's dying next week," but. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it could be. Edwin C. said, first off, I don't even know much about, or I don't know if you know much about weapons, but did you see the AA-12 that the one of the uncles of Anarchy were rocking? Devil, in particular. Weapon is a fully automatic shotgun that fires a rate of 300 rounds per minute. Oh, Jesus. It comes equipped with an 8-shell box magazine or a 20-32-shell to 32 shell drum. If you've ever seen the Expendables, Terry's Crew's character yeah. clears out a haul of 50 guys in less than Fuck 10 yeah. seconds. So I think it's safe to say that Gomi and Hank aren't making it out alive. Wow. Um, yeah, that is a hot, hot gun. Um, that's what everybody wants for Christmas, right? <laughs> what Terry's... Terry Crews said every blew those guys away. Does he? I, I yeah, don't something like that. I, I didn't realize it was a shotgun. Yeah. It looked full, like a, a rifle. Automatic shotgun. Wow. Yikes. Uh, everyone keeps saying Jesse ends up with the Uncles of Anarchy, and after this episode, I'm starting to agree, but I think it happens in a different way than everyone thinks. I think the Uncles of Anarchy kill Hank and Gomi, and that Walt pissed, is pissed that Hank is dead. He refuses to cook for the Uncles, but as Jesse said, he's the only... Only one as good as Walt, so Walt offers Jesse on a silver platter as payment to the uncles. Hmm. What do you think about that? I don't. I don't know that Walt has any yeah. way to give away Jesse at this point because the uncles have him. Yeah, if they want him dead, they shoot him. If they want it it's to the take same him, thing, they take like him. take all the money in my wallet, just don't shoot me. <laughs> yeah, well, we've already got the money in your wallet, and we still want to shoot you. So, yeah. what are you going to do when you're dead? So now, here's here's something I just thought of that might be interesting. What if uh, somehow Walt or Jesse find out that Todd has a thing for Lydia and they use her as a chip? somehow but how would they i don't know how they'd find that out but but uh, if not where does that go i just don't see any point to the lydia todd thing without that being a leverage point what if walt slips lydia the rice and and tells todd i just poison your lady i only i have the antidote you let us and he's such an idiot (laughs) he would totally fall for that let us go and we'll give you the antidote Uh, maybe Here's a packet of equal <laughs> or stevia. Jesus. Here's Stevie. Give her that. It'll, she'll be better in five days. I promise. Uh, Edwin wants to know what we think of the rumors that Netflix is waiting in the wings for breaking bad to finish and has a blank check signed to Billigan to make the next great show for their network. Oh God, that'd be awesome. I've not heard that rumor, but I have got a boner about that rumor now. Yeah, that's I mean, honestly, Netflix is like AMCing AMC out of their own game. I just finished season one of House of Cards uh, last night. Fantastic, isn't it? Real good. What do you think about the penultimate episode? Penultimate is the The, second to last. Yes, Uh, that was the one. No, no, oh yeah, it's not. not This isn't the House of Cards card. We'll talk about that off. I actually it was good. Been waiting for a long time for you to finish that. All right. 
Uh, no, I'm super excited. I mean, honestly, AMC should be shitting their pants right now because their prestige yeah. dramas that they've come out with, like The Killing and the Hell on Wheels, have just not really caught on, not been up to this, uh, up to our, our standards. Uh, Low Winter Sun. Low Winter Sun is not that great. It's I've only seen the first episode or two. Uh, I know people that have watched it and are not very impressed with it. Uh, they need they need something to replace this this horsepower is leaving them. They got the Walking Dead, <laughs> but and that's that's one part of their their calendar that's that's anchored, and it's not and that's a prestige a show, drama. But yeah, it's not winning it. Well, not true. It won Emmys, but notice it didn't win any any Emmys for storytelling or acting or anything right. like that. And it's, it's also all makeup and action stuff. It's also like you know walk like. Mad Men and Breaking Bad have something of a pedigree, and like you know, there's yeah. something of a commonality in that you know, if you like Breaking Bad, you'll probably like Mad Men. That's not necessarily true for The Walking Dead. Like, there's fans that uh-huh. watch that show that would not give a two shits about the next Mad Men. Oh yeah, and yeah. vice versa. So it's not like something that that builds like Mad, you know, like you know, Rubicon built in the Mad Men built in the yeah, Breaking yeah. Bad. Uh, so good points there. Michael McBee says, really enjoyed this week's episode. Was thinking the way it ended foreshadowed on how the last episode of the series might end. Aaron Paul is quoted as saying, the end of the show will make people angry. An abrupt fade to black in the middle of a firefight would def- certainly piss people off. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's so, that's so Sopranos, man. Just no real resolution. Yeah. That would piss people. I that that would definitely knock them off the best show of all time list for me. Yeah, imagine if, if he cops if out. This that had way. been the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> it just ended like it ended. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. And and then also, I mean, he's all. You know, we've also read preseason stuff where he said that the finale will tie up all loose ends. So that would not yeah. be that. Uh, Silvio, Silvio Laif says, I'm just sick of all the complaints by all these expert reviewers, uh, Dan Feinberg, all the freaks after, after buzz TV, uh, Aaron Hubbard on baldmoves.com. <laughs> they can't accept things these characters do because they state it is out of character. I didn't do much of that. Oh, no, no, no. Huh. I didn't do much of that. Sure. Walter White is brilliant and has become a masterful Heisenberg, but why couldn't anyone accept that he can be duped into believing that Jesse found his money in the fashion that was laid out in the show? Jesse and Hank learned enough details about the money and used that to send a convincing photo and lay out a great story for Jesse to tell Walt, making it very easy for anyone in that current state of mind to fall for that trap and react wildly. I agree. Yeah, I agree. That's one of the things I was most annoyed with. Dan Fine, he's like, you know, if the characters were that perfect, he would probably call them. He'd say, "Well, Walt's just a mustache twirling villain now. He's a super villain. (laughs) You can't, you know." It's like, okay, whatever. Um. Anyway, uh, Jay says. Uh, actually, I, I don't have time to read your email, but I got to give you a shout out for coining the phrase "the sons of Panzarchy." (laughs) Okay. Uh, one of the biggest laughs I had this week. Christine McSee says, anyway, here are my thoughts on the scene with Andrea. First plot wise, it gives Walt a reason to believe that Jesse got so mad at him again that he started torching the money. That's a good point. Yeah. I've not heard raised. Otherwise he might've been more suspicious of Jesse calling him out of the blue after leaving off the arson at his house. Since Walt had just threatened Andrea and Brock, it makes perfect sense that Jesse is responding to him with fury. Good point, Christine. Uh, 
Oh, uh, Dean uh, echoed your thought about Saul Goodman spending the $50 in the last episode. He also says this is a callback to Problem Dog in Season 4. Skylar specifically mentions about the difficulty of laundering $50 bills and how unlikely it is for people to, you know, Pay for a car wash with fifty dollar uh, fifty dollar bill. <laughs> Need to spend your fifties? Better call Saul. <laughs> Danny S says the uh, Gilligan skillfully took us from Scarface to King Lear, and I never saw it coming. Particularly after the tread lightly seen earlier in the season. After all, it'd be one thing to see the downfall of Heisenberg, a man bent on money, empire, and death that would have been captivating, and satisfying, but not as tragic. Instead, when Walt screams no and genuinely tries to save Hank, we realize that this is the downfall of Walter White, the man. Hank's death is going to be brutal and all the more so because we know that Walt loves him. Like King Lear clutching his dead Cordelia and wailing into the storm, Walt is going to be emotionally ripped apart in ways I did not see coming. Unfortunately, I am an uncultured swine and I've, I've, I've got very little background to enjoy King Lear. How about you, Jim? Oh, I'm in the same boat, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I'll take done. take yeah. your word for it. And I threw that in for all the other uh, cultured people on our uh, podcast. Ryan from Chi-Town asks, how hilarious it was it to hear neo-Nazis argue that purity isn't important? <laughs> awesome. Uh, excellent point. Alex C. says, did you guys ever see X-Files Season 7, Episode 6, entitled The Goldberg Variation? It's about a guy who has the best luck in the world, but by best luck, it literally means whenever something bad is supposed to happen to him, he somehow gets away unscathed, but someone else suffers horribly. One example, a guy tries to shoot him and the bullet bounces off something in his pocket and kills some other dude. Reminded me a lot of Walt right now. As Jesse said, he's still incredibly lucky, but in the worst possible way. He told the uncles of anarchy not to come, and if they hadn't, he'd be in prison right now. But because they did, he's likely to be saved, but at the expense of Hank, Gomi, and maybe even Jesse as a captive meth maker. Poor guy. I feel for him, despite this, uh, this, despite this just being his just desserts. He also took the Seppenwall challenge that he put forth in his uh uh, review this week and delivered a supercut of Michael from Lost yelling for Walt and Walt yelling for Jack with Jack from Lost looking confused. And it's pretty <laughs> awesome. I'm definitely going to link it in the show notes if you want to check out Alex's work. Um, but yeah. Bakati from the ABQ says another great app, but I didn't buy how Walt was outmaneuvered by Jesse and Hank. No fucking way. I feel like Walt, or should I say, Heisenberg would have told Jesse something like, burn it, burn all the money, Jesse. And while you do that, I'm going to swing by Brock and Andrew's house, pick them up and take them for a ride. To me, that could have been one way for Walt to get a Jesse to stay in line. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, not a bad idea at all. It seems like if he, you know, try to reverse psychology angle, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Somebody's burning $10,000 a minute. That's that's kind of scary. The name's not Microsoft. <laughs> On Bing. <laughs> um, I have a possible... Oh, Leyland says, I have a possible foreshadowing of Walt Jr.'s death. The entire series of Walt Jr. has been thinking of, or talking about driving and owning a car. The scene where Saul tells him to give him a call if he gets caught drunk uh, drinking and driving leads me to believe that Walt Jr. will eventually find out about Walt being Heisenberg and will go on a drinking bender and will end up crashing his car and dying. Leaving Walt broken that his legacy that he built eventually kills his son. That's yeah. So we've we've kind of danced around this 
yeah. idea before, right? That, I think we've actually had this idea that that charger is going to get wrapped around a telephone pole somehow, whether yeah, he's going to be that. high on meth or alcohol or whatnot. Yeah, and also the idea that he would get hooked on his father's product, and uh, ultimately that would be uh, kind of the punishment for Walt. Yep. Uh, Isaac Kinsey says in the last latest episode, Todd made it a point to tell Grandmaster Uncle Jack to wear his mask, and Uncle Jack refused. This could be foreshadowing that Walt will once again create a diversion, a la the Red Phosphorus and Crazy Eight, with science to get away from the Nazis while cooking, possibly leaving Jesse behind, thus causing him to come back and rescue him with his big ass gun. Or maybe the Nazis go after his family after this, and again causing him to come back with said big ass gun. Uh, that's pretty strong. Why else would they make it a point of showing his uncle being dismissive of hazardous chemicals? I don't know. I, I missed most of that email because I was trying to come up with a drink that would have, that we could call Uncle Jack that would have Jack Daniels in it, uh, <laughs> that we could drink on the show for the next three weeks. <laughs> uh, White Russian. Wait, no, that is a drink of itself. That That is a drink, yeah. Mm. And it has no Jack in it. Mm, well, you th- take a White Russian, throw Jack in it. <laughs> Oh, yuck. White Power Jack, you call it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Woo, right, that would right. be a stiff That's drink. what we're doing next week. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's our drink for next week. Okay. Unless someone can come up with a better one. Send us in your recipes for the White Power Jack. <laughs> what was the thing, the Darth Vader we were going to drink in Seattle? Uh, one part Jaeger, two parts... Jack. Two parts Captain Morgan. Was it? Yeah. And I thought it had some Jack in it, too. No, no, no. It was Jaeger and Captain Morgan. You, you lost bet Jaeger, man. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Daniel S. Says, I think that Jesse calling Mr. Walt or Mr. White Walt for the first time had major significance. From a purely psychological perspective, Jesse's refusal to call Walt anything other than Mr. White signifies an abusive, hierarchical relationship in which he felt that Walt was an authority over him. It's not until Jesse knows that he has control over Walt for the first time that he finally bro- yeah, that he finally bucks the trend of calling him Mr. White. Jesse's newfound partnership yeah. with Hank and his ability to concoct a plan that he knows will help him capture Walt is enough of a boost for Jesse to see Walt as less than a godlike figure for the first time since the first season. That's pretty solid analysis. Definitely. Daryl in Virginia says, guys, this is Daryl in Virginia. <laughs> I'm sorry. I fucking I, I did that to you, Daryl. I apologize. <laughs> this is the guy who kept ranting about Sam Peckinpah. Uh, yeah, yeah. last year. I remember that. Um, uh, and we had no idea, uh, or I had no idea. I had no about. idea either. I'm, a, I'm, I, I'm okay. not as steeped in Western lore as, as, as I should be. Uh, Peck and Paul is an iconic director of many, so, uh, many classic American Westerns, a genre I really love and have studied with so much joy. Tonight's episode of Breaking Bad was full of references to Westerns, uh, especially in the last 20 minutes I was beside myself. I love Walt hunkered down behind the rock in the desert, clutching his gun like a cornered out Walt Law while the posse spread out searching for him. I love Hank and Gomi's cowboy-like banter about bringing in Walt. This one's all yours, partner, etc. But best of all, the ending would have made Peckinpah himself stand up and cheer. Tonight's conclusion was such a strong and wonderful reframing of the end of Peckinpah's best film, The Wild Bunch, that I felt like a love letter to that director and his fans. Um, 
Yeah, man. Yeah, good I, point. That I makes like me kind of feel like an asshole for criticizing it. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. That's... Especially when you you know that those are influences of, of Villigan. Yeah, I'm sure. the writers watch those things. I'm sure he's mentioned the Wild Bunch on at least six different insider casts. Yeah, definitely. So it's definitely an influence for him. Uh, I actually just caught, I it might have been on AMC, there was a Clint Eastwood marathon uh, over the weekend, and I caught several of those. So that was pretty cool. Like Outlaw, jo- Outlaw Josie Wales, that's pretty good pretty good okay speaking of penultimate this is the penultimate email uh live free or burn hard from austria says what i found particularly interesting this week's episode is the distinctive colors of lydia and todd's cars in the cold open bright blue and bright red what do you think the coloring means especially since three dirty grayish cars are parked right next to them (laughs) i think blue represents the color meth damon is not capable of producing and red stands for lydia's dangerous situation as i'm sure She's been fighting to not get killed by anybody on the Czech Republic in the dist- distribution in the whole of the season. Yeah, I mean, that's good. We know that red is kind of the color of danger, right? Or um, See, I, I, I think he's got it wrong. I think the blue is Lydia's car because she's very, always associated with blue. She was actually wearing a bright blue coat. She well always does. And, and, and then and Meth Damon would be the red danger. Uh-huh. That he's going to creep out on her, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so maybe they... I don't know. Which car does she walk to? I don't know. End? I don't remember. Um, I thought she was driving a blue car out the deck late. They drove her out there. I don't... Honestly, yeah. I don't know. Okay. I'm just making shit up. Uh, <laughs> Mike C says, listening to the instant cast, I think the significance of the 10 minutes with Walt, Andrew, and Brock is that now, thanks to the Walt, the uncles of anarchy know about Andrew and Brock and can use them against Jesse if he survives. What? Maybe the M60 is for Walt to rescue Brock and attempt to atone for the poisoning. Yeah, didn't Walt tell them about Andrew and Brock as a possible way to, you know, smoke him out? Well, he said, I know how to flush him out. He didn't elaborate. The well, way I think we that we're impl- left to imply that he, you know, he would tell them, like, here's what I want to do. Eh, and then... Maybe. I don't know. I- I'm I'm uncomfortable saying for sure. That they know where Andrea is. Would you be annoyed if they do know where Andrea is and we're left to assume that this is how it happened? No, no. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I would be either. That wouldn't be too br- much of a bridge too far. Yeah, I'm just not going to make predictions based on something we didn't see. Right on. Uh, well, that's it. Let me get to the outro. If you'd like to uh, continue our deluge, uh, keep us riding high on that crest of feedback, do so at breakinggood at baldmove.com. As always, get into the facebook.com. Slash bald move live threads that we have each week. I'm also starting one up for Boardwalk Empire. Of course, I can't participate in the live thread, but I usually come by in a couple days later to see what people said and put in my own two cents. Um, you can also follow Jim's live tweeting fests at uh, Twitter at Bald Move. We're having a lot of fun with those this season. Yeah, lots of lots of lots of traffic, lots of responses. Really interactive way to increase your viewing enjoyment. Yeah, I don't read them on the air here, but I get tons of hilarious stuff. While yeah, that's we're watching that's the, the thing. Like, I, uh, the the yeah, the scope of feedback is is such that you basically segment it off, and that you know, Facebook and Twitter is the live interaction, and the emails yeah. and the more long form considered stuff. So, um, anyway, having a great time this season. Uh, that's all I got. I got a couple of spoilers. I also have. Uh, some super duper saying spoilers um, out of the depths of 4chan that might probably be bullshit, but I don't know for a fact that they are. So I'm going to post that uh, screenshot uh, in a click through link that you have to click through on the show notes. And again, the show notes are always on ballmove.com. Go to ballmove.com. 
find the article that's the, for this podcast, click on it, and all the links that I mentioned are in there if you're curious. I'm not going to read them myself because I've only got three episodes to go and I can wait. But if you want to uh, potentially spoil yourself or have a good laugh at 4chan's expense, uh, feel free to check that out at uh, baldmove.com. All right. Sounds good. We have a spoiler section uh, that we will get to after the music, but if you don't want to stick around for that, then we'll see you next week for the instant cast right after the episode. And until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. See you next week. And we're back with the spoiler section. What do we have this week? Well, it's super easy to recap the next time on because it's basically slow motion views of the gunfight with Skyler leaving a concerned voicemail to Walt. Yeah, they literally can't show Hank, Jesse, Walt, no Gomez, <laughs> Uncles I mean, of Anarchy, Todd. You can show Walt. That's it. Okay, yes, because we know that he survives. But that's it. All right. What about feedback? I remember to copy and paste D-Corp into the spoiler section where he belongs, you sneaky little son of a gun. <laughs> he says, there's only one scenario that makes sense in my head that has gotten me excited. Next week is called Ozymandias, uh, referencing the poem about the kingdom and ruins, right? What if the episode is the beginning of the permanent future timeline? The end of this episode is left vague because we're going to have to piece together what happened between then and now, a.k.a. Oh. the future. I think it's crazy, but it's the only reason I can think of to make the ending of this episode ambiguous. I like that. That is bold. That would be very ballsy, and I could see I could see some ways that Vince could pull that off. Yeah. Like, we just jumped to the future, and we're like, we have no fucking clue what's going on. And maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they'll have some, like, that be the closing scenes of the episode, or of, of the series, is recapping what really happened at the gun battle. I don't know. I mean, I could see that's that's Maybe. a cool idea. I like it. I think it. you could pull it off if done right. And it would also shut me the hell up about the way they ended the episode. And <laughs> it prop, yeah. I mean, it it would be a way for him to definitely snatch a couple of respect points back from this episode. Yeah, because in in retrospect, that would look like a genius. They're movie. drawing that out because it's the last shot of this timeline that we get. Yeah, I wish we'd because there's a, a lot of people, most notably uh, our frenemy Dave Chin, who is really up in arms about how much the flash forward is limiting his enjoyment of the sh- show. Really? Which I don't get. Like, I understand that there's a lot of things that you are not in suspense about. Like, you know, you knew that Hank Walt wasn't going to go to jail, or at least for long, et cetera. Yeah, you but knew Jesse were, wasn't going to burn the house. Were you not fucking still intense as hell in that last. I mean,. You know, there's still Walt to worry about, or still, I'm sorry, Hank to worry about. There's still Jesse to worry about. Yep. Plenty we don't know. Yeah. So I don't think it, it hasn't taken away from my enjoyment at all. Yeah. I'm just really scratching my head on why he thinks that this has deflated so much of the tension of the season, because that's not been my experience whatsoever. Uh, Michael P says, a friend of mine just told me that in the finale, Felina could be viewed as elements from the periodic table. <laughs> FE yeah. is iron. LI is lithium in a sodium blood, meth, tears. Who knows? Interesting though. The thing is, is like, I've heard that lithium has nothing to do with meth. That would be an awesome theory. If it was like one of the leading precursors, blood, batteries and tears. <laughs> <laughs> is he going to build a robot out of that lithium? <laughs> 
Um, so that's kind of that's interesting. But again, the lithium is the uh, downfall of that theory, I think. Uh, Pete Jones is the guy that sent us the spoilers from 4chan. So if you do decide to read those, uh, give thanks to him for delivering them. Uh, finally, I think this is finally. Nope. Penultimately. Jason from Portland says, there's an article on Entertainment Weekly featuring the cast members of Breaking Bad. Each cast member shared the most difficult Breaking Bad scene. Interesting, Jesse said the most difficult scene he ever filmed hasn't happened yet, so he talked about his second most difficult scene, which is Jane's death. This got me thinking, what would have to happen to create a more difficult scene than Jane's death? It can't be Walter dying. He wants Walt dead. It has to be something pretty extreme. I'd be curious to hear your theories. My theory, Walt leaves his gun in the desert before surrendering to Hank. This gun has a Chekhovian feel to it. It was featured in season four, but never really used. Although he did blow a bunch of people away at the super lab with it. Um, I think Hank and Gomez are slaughtered in the next episode. Jesse's face with once again, Walt getting the upper hand on him. Not only that, but Jesse feels like he has even more blood on his hands. Too much blood. He finds Walt's gun and puts a bullet in his head in front of Walter. Suicide would be a tough thing to play, I would think. Yeah, yeah, his own death is what I was thinking. So, what if he's responsible? What if he's responsible for like the death of Walt Jr. somehow? Oh man, I just don't think Jesse is going to kill anybody else this uh, this series. Yeah, I think he's done with his killing ways. Yeah, if he accidentally killed Jr. somehow, maybe, but there's. There's not a lot of connection between them. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with Junior at all. I feel like that's a plot point that we're just not really No one's had, yeah. I mean, I thought there were some strong theories about um, Jesse hitting him, hitting Walt Junior there. Um, But now that that's kind of passed and over with, I'm I'm with you. I don't know what the hell they're going to do with him. Something, though. It doesn't seem like he's tied into the main plot at all. Right. Other than Walt just doesn't want him to know about his drug dealing. Right. But no one's really threatening that. Yeah. So, uh, PH from Florida says, I've seen a clip that's not yet aired of Brian Cranston in a White House driveway, throwing luggage into Nazi's pickup truck, yelling, Skyler, we have to go now. Looked for it on YouTube, has been taken down. That's actually the same clip that we mentioned about three episodes ago that I posted in the show notes. I hope you got a chance to watch it if you wanted to, because it's gone now. (laughs) Uh, It's been removed at request of probably Sony um, or maybe CBS. But, but yeah, it's, it's basically um, him pulling up in the driveway and telling her they got to go. So apparently Skyler is going to be on whatever jaunt that the Walter's taking. Yeah. And, and maybe a key to what we just saw in this episode at the end is that he's in the Uncles of Anarchy's truck. Mm-hmm. So maybe he somehow steals that and takes it out of the desert. Oh. And now they've got to abandon ship. Abandon the White House. Uh-huh. That would be cool. But I don't I don't know how he would get his hands on that truck. They're in the truck with guns. Yeah. And he is handcuffed. And there's a bunch of them. There's like six dudes. Yeah. And I don't think Hank and Gomi can kill that many of them. <laughs> And even if they do, aren't they just going to arrest Walt? Well, I'm saying kill enough that 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 Walt could commandeer one of their vehicles and hightail it out of there with Maybe enough of Jesse a lead. Can. I wonder if Jesse could sneak around That's the what, Walt's like, gun. And, and outflank him. Yeah. 
But still, he's got a six-shot revolver against six <laughs> dudes with automatics. With automatic shotguns. Maybe Hank and Gomi can take out two or three and even the odds. Ah, Maybe. They're, wear, are, they're all wearing bulletproof vests. Did you notice that? Yeah, they, I saw them strapping them on. So... I don't know, man. I really don't know how the scene's going to play out. We'll see. We'll definitely maybe, see Maybe we week. won't see. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll flash forward and be like, fuck you, audience. Yep. Uh, speaking of fuck you, audience. <laughs> We're done. We're out. <laughs> Our time with you is over. Get the fuck out. Get out. Get your coats. Get the shit out. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you <laughs> next week uh, for, what is the episode? Ozzy Ozymandias. Perfect. See you then. Bye.